Lockdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here for the next hour. Thank you to all those listening on podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you very much. Well, something happened overnight, Donovan, and it wasn't we both got up with a bellyache from all the uh, candy that we had from from the leftovers from the trick-or-treaters. No, no, no. Mark Davis cleans house faster than he cleans his bowl after dinner so he can cut his hair. And the Raiders have new coaches, a new GM, and they hit the reset button for the second time in less than a year and a half. You fire your GM and coach, promote internally both positions. So essentially people that those people hired and staffed literally hours (laughs) after the trade deadline. So you gave them so much power to impact the rest of your season and then said goodbye, walked them out the door with money left on the table. A lot. To me, that means he expected something to happen at the deadline. It didn't, and he lost it. So you're not buying into the story that um, Josh McDaniels showed up on Halloween day yesterday, dressed up as Mark Davis, ordered P.F. Chang's, and then... Uh, Mark Davis obliged, had lunch with him, and then said, open up your fortune cookie, and it said, you're fired, hotshot? You don't buy that? Because <laughs> that would be the greatest story ever. So I, I am buying it because I'm the one who sent that story to you thinking that it was real. <laughs> and I think the fact that I thought it was real shows you the one, exactly. I'm gullible. And no, two, no, that it, it, it's possible. <laughs> with the Raiders and with the, the Davis family, it's possible. Um, so Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, Mick Lombardi, uh, Mick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, uh, all fired, all former members of the Patriots, I might add. Um, this is the second time that Josh McDaniels has been fired a year and a half into his coaching gig with the team. And What I other mean, AFC West team wants to give the keys to the franchise to him? Well, here's what I'll tell you. Chargers? The, Chargers? Yeah, that's it's, never happened before. It's never happened before that a coach is not. So hold on a second. I'm just getting myself ready. Bring, bring, ringing Josh McDaniels phone. Hello. Hi, Josh. It's Bill. Do you want to come home? We have a spot for you. Because I think Bill O'Brien sucks. Call me back. End of impression. Yeah, I want to come home and take your job. (laughs) Because you need to retire. But then he'll screw... Now, now we've seen enough. And I don't mean to go in this direction, but now we've seen enough from Josh McDaniels as a head coach, is there any way Robert Kraft could go, you know what? You're the guy now. Wait a minute. Like, (laughs) we're not far removed from Josh McDaniels being assumed to be the coach in waiting in New England. He turned down multiple head coaching jobs because... Didn't he have a deal for one with Indy? He had a deal with the Colts. Now, the reporting that came out of that said that he was going to take it and his wife found Jim Ursay to be weird. That he well, came over that to goes without saying. their house. He spent an odd amount of time on his bus. No, <laughs> in the in the washroom, <laughs> like an unsettling amount well, of time. And maybe nature calls, and he had a rough moment, or his nose was bothering him. The reporting on that was funny. That just like, is this the person that we want to be working for? Yeah. Now they ended up working for Mark Davis. Well, they also work for Robert Kraft. 
Anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Venn diagram for NFL owners sometimes can take you some interesting places. Um, so they, you know, Josh McDaniels kind of hitches wagon to Jimmy Garoppolo and all of this too. Like coming into year two, Derek Carr's gone. He hitches wagon to a bunch of Patriots. Yeah. Garoppolo's like one of six Patriots that he brought back to the team. Neither hey, team easy, is good. Easy on Jakob Johnson. Fullback. My okay. <laughs> oh, Jacoby Myers has been really good. But yes. And this is where now we have kind of. We've. It's funny because maybe he was the guy in waiting with the Patriots and they said, let's let him. Let's let him go here. Let's see what he's got because he's eventually going to get fired. Maybe by the time. Bill's 85 and decides that he wants to call it a career. And now we know he's not getting another head coaching job. Like nobody can be this dumb, right? I, I, I'd imagine so, but this league continues to surprise me. You mentioned the Patriots. I think it was the fact that both GM and coach went in, didn't take appraisal of the roster, didn't take their time, didn't build the draft, go get a young quarterback they started swinging for the fences and their launch angle was the top of the division in the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's remember what they did in their first offseason. Traded a first and second round pick for Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. They made him, at the time, the highest paid wide receiver in football. Gave a big free agent contract to defensive end Chandler Jones. Oops. Extended the contracts of Derek Carr and Max Crosby and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Devontae Adams is throwing his helmet on the sideline. Every time he talks to a live microphone, he's super emo. He would have been happy to have been traded. Chandler Jones has called out the coach GM organization. Now that could be for some issues that have nothing to do with football, but he's not wrong. The the point is he's not rushing the passer right now. He's not on the team. Derek Carr, they booted him out of there because they didn't want to pay the money that they signed up to pay him. Max Crosby is a hell of a football player. Darren Waller, they already traded. And somehow, apparently, interpersonally, they felt disrespected because they weren't invited to his Las Vegas wedding and they didn't know about it until it was spreading on social media. And so now Waller hates them and evidently they hate Waller. And Hunter Renfrew is in a witness protection program. They barely use him after... He was someone who looked like he could catch 100 balls for you out of the slot. All of the investment that they made in this roster, except for Max Crosby, has blown up in their face. Well, and if you want to go even further than that, uh, this one from this tweet from Joe Pompliano. Um, as we know, NFL coaching contracts are fully guaranteed. They get their money. So with the Raiders firing Josh McDaniels last night and John Gruden resigning in 21, they are now paying somewhere between 40 and $80 million for them, for those two guys to not coach the team, depending on Gruden's settlement. That's poor money management. For a guy that doesn't have a side business beside the Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Aces is a side business. That's true, actually. The record of 9-16 and 16 for McDaniels. Third worst record of any Raiders coach after at least 25 games is not exactly what you paid for. So somebody sent me this, um, and it's really interesting. Um, it's, And this will kind of go to my point about, about how bad it's been, and maybe we're not talking enough about how bad 
it's been. Uh, point differentials for the Raiders coaches over 20 years. Callahan, minus 109. Turner, minus 122. Turner, minus 93. Shell, minus 164. Kiffin, minus 115. Caleb Kiffin, minus 125. Or, sorry, Cable, not Caleb. Uh, Tom Cable, minus 182. Cable, my, uh, 39, plus 39. Jackson, minus 74. Allen, minus 154. Allen, minus 139. Do you get the trend here? As we go on, Josh McDaniels, minus 61, minus 23. And before that, it was a mess. Uh, So only two seasons over the last 20 with a positive point differential. Well, and there's a trend in that the interim coaches are the ones who've had some aspect of success, which lets you know that the baseline of what you can do with the roster is probably better than what the high-paid, high-profile quarterbacks were able to do or coaches were able to do. When they brought him in, we're going to have Adam Rank on the show um, in the bottom half of the hour. I'm going to ask him this question. I ask you first, is this a good job? It's a great city to live in. You have an owner who's going to spend money. You have a fan base that is rabid. It is one of the landmark franchises in the National Football League. Is being the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders a good job? I think it is a good job because of the things that you mentioned. A, it's a wonderful place to live from by all accounts. Um, gets a little cool at night sometimes, but that's okay. We can manage that. They got a brand new, beautiful stadium. You've been there, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I haven't had the pleasure, but hopefully I'll get there. And the owner that generally speaking, you don't hear a lot about with him meddling and him getting involved. Like, I don't think this is a bad job. I think the people that they've got running it have made it look like a bad job because it was, you know, and God love Mike Mayock, but Mike Mayock was a disaster. John Gruden was a disaster. Josh McDaniels has been a disaster. Dave Ziegler has been a disaster. They need, you know, who did a really good job with this, with the roster, Rich Bisaccia. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even, he barely got a sniff to be the head coach once all the dust settled. And then they hired Josh McDaniels. I think this can be a good job. I think the guys that they hire, they're hiring are screwing it up for everybody else. Do you think it's a good job? I do. But when you look at the most successful coaches they've had historically, whether that's Al Davis, John Madden, you could even say Bill Callahan if you'd like, the first version of John Gruden, they were not when they were hired these amazing sexy names. Mm -hmm. They became celebrities and sexy names because they were the head coach of the Raiders and they were successful. Wasn't the other way around. And so I feel like at this point, the brand is so big. They're looking for a coach and a name to win the press conference. And I'm sure your boy Harbaugh's name will be floated Amongst uh, the names that we bounce back and forth for this Raiders job. I think what we've seen in terms of the head coaches that have done well right away, it's not always the obvious candidates. Dan Campbell Mm -hmm. thought he was a pro wrestler during the opening press conference. He's turned out to be pretty good. Nick Sirianni thought he might be a serial killer. During his opening press conference, he turned out to be pretty good. But you have to be 
plugged in at the combine, talking to other coaches, executives, agents to find out, okay, who is the next one? And not just looking to win the press conference with the name that everybody knows. And I wonder if they've learned their lesson now. I really do wonder if they have, because at this point, you keep missing. Sometimes you got to look internally and say, what are we doing wrong in our hiring process? And that is totally part of the conversation. I wonder uh, if Jeff Saturday's free. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, Austin says he's not. He's been texting him. Um, so with all of that, Antonio Pierce, former Giants linebacker, will take over as the interim head coach. Champ Kelly will be the interim GM. They also announced, and this is wild to me, not surprising though, Aiden O'Connell your boy, is going to start on Sunday against the Giants. I think we had a conversation about this earlier, Austin. Did we? Did we? Yeah, I think we had it. Let's hear it. Okay, so here's my, you want to hear my hot Jimmy Garoppolo take? Please. Jimmy Garoppolo does not finish the year as the Raiders quarterback. Aiden O'Connell ends up finishing the year as the starting quarterback. And then they reassess because I think to get out of Garoppolo's contract is like $11 million dead cap. There you go. Is that real audio? Was that spliced together to make it sound like you knew what you're talking about? Did you just take various words that you've said over the last two months and put them together to make you seem like a prognosticator? We'll never know. We will never know, Donovan. I just remember Jimmy Garoppolo does not finish the year as the Raiders quarterback. Aiden O'Connell ends up finishing that the year Aiden as the starting quarterback. Aiden came in pretty hot. He's just cutting it for Aiden time. O'Connell will be the best ever. Uh, you're, listen, you're right. It, you said it too. You're like, was that really a hot take? Is he really not? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was the part uh, we didn't have. <laughs> you're right. Your, your NFC South take. Well, I'm not so certain about that one anymore. It, we, and the Vikings are going to make the playoffs now. Let's slow down. Let's slow down. <laughs> um, you, you could back into that. I mean, listen, if they sit Desmond Ritter for a month or two, that might increase the Falcons' chance to make the playoffs. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because they're sitting him this week. Taylor Heineke will start, according to Arthur Smith. So was it? Be- is it because Desmond Ritter's not healthy, or is it because Arthur Smith is now a doctor, or is it because Desmond Ritter's been horrible? Like, we're going to see bad quarterbacks again this week. We sure are. Good luck in Survivor if you're still alive, because <laughs> it's just a, a wild, wild west out there. It, normally, you could be like, oh, backup starting in, in his first start of the year. Oh, got them. You got that in multiple games, backup versus backup crime. I wish the coach in this scenario took the same PR class as the backup quarterback because Taylor Haneke is putting water all over this. He stepped up and he said, listen, this is Desmond Ritter's team. I'm just playing my role. I'm here to support him. We will go as far as him. All of the things you'd expect the head coach to say about the quarterback if he truly believed he was his QB1, which begs the question, how well does Taylor Haneke have to play to – Keep Desmond Ritter in the Arthur Smith protocol because, again, he was cleared. To keep him on the sidelines for whatever the reason they decide to give us. He doesn't have to play very well. He has to be average. Really, that's what he Average and don't turn the ball over in the red zone. That's what you have to do. Um, By the way, um, just as an aside on the Aiden O'Connell thing, that game, the week, which is, uh, that's this week, of course, because it's week 10. Is week 10 already? It sure is. It's November. Dude, I'm hitting my head on the microphone as we speak. It doesn't sound like it because there's a 
pop screen on it. Anyway, uh, they did not flex out this game between the Raiders and the Giants. <laughs> and, and Sorry, it's week nine. Uh, but they did not flex out the, the week 10 game. Or that's the Jets and the Raiders, sorry. And my first thought was, oh, they're going to, and I tweeted it. They're going to put us through another week of Jimmy G in prime time. And uh, my buddy Jason tweeted me back and said, crisis averted. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, so that's a week nine matchup between the Jets and the Raiders. Boy, that's going to be awful, awful football. Um, there were a couple of trades yesterday after we got off the yes. air. Not big deals, but I like, I like both of them, though. As do I. Uh, let's start with uh, Rasul Douglas goes to the Bills for a fifth round pick. Um, I saw a stat. Rasul Douglas has the most fourth quarter and overtime interceptions in the last two years with six. That's a good stat. And it's something that the Bills desperately needed. They needed a a guy who tries to make big plays and, and maybe takes some chances. If they can get their pass rush going again, if they can get Von Miller going, which He's been largely invisible since coming back from injury, which is understandable. He's at an advanced, I mean, I want to say he's at an advanced age, but I'm pretty sure he's the same age as me. But anyway, in football years, he's at an advanced age. And so I I really liked the pickup. I was kind of hoping that it would be Jalen Johnson from the Bears. He doesn't go anywhere. Um, but I, I do like this move and a lot of positives. Uh, uh, Tyler Dunn, uh, who writes for Go Long, it's his own website, had a couple of quotes and a, and a good article on what the Bills are getting on Rasul Douglas. And a lot of people are talking about how good he is with the team in the locker room and a real leader for the Packers. I really like the move. I like it as well. I understand why you'd want Johnson, because he's somewhat of a better player. But I think relative to the cost, I don't think the difference is that great. And you could have him for next year if you choose as well. Correct. Uh, and Johnson obviously looking to get paid and managing the cap for the Bills is already going to be interesting this offseason. Listen, Pro Football Focus has Douglas as the 18th best corner in football. The cost essentially was a third-round pick, but all third-round picks are not created equal. If you're the Bills, you're going to be a good team, so that's going to be the back end of the third round. So we're talking about a pick in the 80s, essentially, 80, 85 or so. Second half of that third round. Now, when you talk about the fifth round pick coming back from Green Bay, Green Bay, not very good. A pick is going to be at the beginning of the draft. So you're really looking at a difference of what? 50 picks, Mm -hmm. essentially, in that pick swap. Oh, and you get the player that is, again, you know, a top level corner in the league. I, I, I love the acquisition for the bills. It's a position of need. It is a good player with control and the cost was not incredibly high. And that, and that's the key is for a team that they're in a certain window and we understand all that. Uh, be, I, I really like the fit. Now the other one, and I'm also a big fan of the fit Donovan people's Jones, who was kind of buried on that depth chart behind Amari Cooper and behind Elijah Moore a little bit goes to the Detroit Lions. And I was saying they need a, a a guy and it's not the big splash that I thought they would make, but we talked about a little bit of help in the red zone and who better to get than a big bodied receiver like Donovan Peoples Jones, who also can stretch the field and actually maybe catch a ball. Not like Jameson Williams who can stretch the field, but very rarely catches it. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of this move. I've always been a fan of Donovan Peoples Jones. 
it's a low, it's kind of one of those, you know, under the radar moves that could actually end up helping you down the stretch in big key spots, kind of like in that Raiders game where felt like they could have used a big bodied receiver outside of Sam Laporta in the red zone. Yeah. And they just needed depth. They needed more comparable players at the position. We rarely see four and five wide from this team. Now, part of the reason is because Laporta has been so good that he is a player you're not taking off the field. But the other position is once you get past two or three, they don't have a receiver that can separate. Donovan Peoples-Jones is good enough that he can make contested catches when there isn't separation. And so I love the depth addition for them and someone who will help them out if they hit the injury bug later this year. Yeah, and uh, you could you know interchange him and Josh Reynolds, and I think I think it gives you, like you said, gives you a nice little uh, depth piece. We've got a couple minutes left here. Who was the biggest disappointment for you in terms of inactivity? Kansas City. Yeah. To me, their scenario was, and we've all been through it, hey, guess what? We're friends. We get along. We're comfortable with each other. McCole Hardman, we see you across the sideline. You spent more time talking to our players on the sideline than your own Jets teammates. Listen, around deadline time, you don't have a suitor, and we don't have a suitor. Let's just go to prom together. Like, that's what it was. We're just going to have a relationship of convenience. Well, the inconvenient truth is he's not that good. This is the reason why you didn't re-sign him in the first place. Yeah. So the fact that they didn't get a difference maker. Listen, we talked yesterday on the show about how amazing would Devontae Adams look. Well, you know, there's some real cap gymnastics to make that happen. But even a Hunter Renfro from the Raiders would be a viable option. Just someone to catch the football. When it's thrown to them, we we don't need a world beater, and so I, I think the Chiefs had a real missed opportunity when other contenders were at least attempting to go all in and make themselves better. So for me, it was more of a disappointment that they couldn't get a deal done rather than for a lack of trying, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. They wanted Derrick Henry. Sounds like a deal was in place. The owner of the Titans says, mm, "I don't think so." Amy Adams strunk, no chance. Then they apparently went to the Raiders looking for Josh Jacobs and the Raiders wanted too much. And they said, "Mm, thanks, but no thanks. Gus Edwards looks just fine. I wonder if that's going to end up coming back to haunt them a little bit is not being able to get a good running back. Not nothing against Gus Edwards, but he's not as dynamic as some of the other guys you can bring in by far. And also not a threat at all in the past game. And also is questionable. Every week, every season of his entire career, banners fly forever, as the Mamba, Kobe Bryant, said. I understand the costs might have been high. You have a real chance this year to put up another banner, to win a Super Bowl. I understand why the Rams and Les Sneed said, F them picks, we're going all in. Because when you have the opportunity with a hot quarterback and a balling defense, to go win a Super Bowl, the cost mitigation strategy on future investment at that point doesn't matter. Secure the asset, figure out the future later. Yeah, that's a fair point. And and your point about the defense has been really good. Like since they acquired Roquan Smith last year around this time, they've been excellent. Kyle Hamilton's really good. That front seven's really good. Patrick Queen's there. I mean, 
it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Um, but yes, I, I do agree with that sentiment that, you know, if you think you're close, you got to go out and get someone. Uh, okay. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Adam rank, our, our weekly Wednesday insider, talk about the Raider situation. I also want to ask him about the Jags. And if we're talking enough about them as a contender, five wins in a row, it was a big one against the Steelers in crappy weather. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that and more. I'm sure we'll ask him a Halloween question because he likes to dress up. Pretty sure he was probably a wrestler for being honest. Adam Rank is next on the Fan Checkdown. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. We'll be back in a few. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. And joining us on the line, as he does every Wednesday, he's our buddy, our pal, Adam Rank. How was Halloween? I feel like you're a guy that dressed up yesterday. Absolutely dressed up. I know that on the uh, NFL Fantasy Live show, it looked in. I mailed. It looked like I mailed in my costume, mostly because I did. <laughs> I had like I had like thirty ideas. I was like, hey, you know. Patrick Claibon and I wanted to go as Latimer and Vontez Mack from the program. They're like, nope. I'm like, can I do a dick? Nope. Can I dress as Mike Arafo? No. And I'm like, you know what? Just bring me a, just bring me an outfit. And so they put something in the locker and I'm like, this is terrible. So I went and went and grabbed a Travis Kelsey Jersey. And they said, you're going as Travis Kelsey. And I said, no, I'm going as every suburban dad <laughs> who couldn't think of a costume. So he's like, I'm going to go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy a Kelsey jersey and make my wife dress up like Taylor Swift. <laughs> that, was, that was my costume on the show. My children, they love the movie Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. So they wanted to go as Jack and Sally. So I was the, uh, I was the Santa Claus. Oh, nice. How do we feel about the people who hand out apples? Like, <laughs> where do we weigh f- in? I don't know. Why don't you make me do a math problem when I show up? <laughs> I don't know. Like, are we? Is this an educational thing? Is it? Like, I understand we're we're getting a bunch of sugary snacks, and I actually found on on Instagram a workaround where we did a thing called Switch Witch, where mm-hmm. we we you let the kids pick out like five, ten pieces of candy. Like, okay, this is what you're keeping. Now, if you put this in this bucket for the Switch Witch, she'll bring you some toy in the morning. And I had bought like two $5 Funko Pops. And so they were like, oh, and then they got them this morning. They're like, they don't even care about the candy anymore. They're like, oh, this is amazing. That's what we do. I don't need you giving me an apple to try to, to, try to make me feel terrible about my decisions in life. Like, yeah, these kids are eating a lot of sugar today. I'm going to go make them run in a field. It's fine. I don't. I don't like the Apple people. Uh, lastly, as we get your Halloween takeaways, how do we feel about? And I had this. You, you leave the bowl out front because I'm going out with the kids, with me and my wife, and so we, we trust that you know it's been the honor system. But how do we yeah. feel about the? Because I got the app on my phone, can see the doorbell cam. The high school kids that essentially robbed my house. Of candy, like oh, just jerks. emptied out the bag. And and what is the appropriate age where you're no longer allowed to trick or treat? I don't believe that there should be any age because, you know, what? if you're out there, if you're in the spirit of it and you're just getting candy, like how many times do you sit there and you're like, you have too much candy? You know, we get to some of those houses at the end of the night. They're like, please just take 
take 40. I don't care. I just don't want this candy in my house. So I'm like, okay, like more people out there enjoying themselves. The high school kids that cannot consort themselves with decorum and respect do not belong out there. And I say that would go for anybody at any age. If you cannot, if you cannot participate within the spirit of the exercise, the parameters of the holiday, don't be there. But if you're out there in good faith, just going out there looking for your one piece of candy for each house, go knock yourself out. You know, I, I was out there like, listen, I was out there as a, as an old person. I wasn't collecting the candy, but I was, still, it's good. It's for everybody, but, but do the right thing. And also not only do the, the teenagers just rob the candy, like it, it also lends itself to like, well, then next year, why not just leave an empty bowl out? Don't even buy candy. Just leave an empty bowl. And then everybody will walk up and assume like, uh, somebody, somebody already took all the candy. And then you go on your way. And you just say, use your imagination. You can pick up an imaginary candy because you lost that privilege. Uh, well, as- we need What we need is every neighborhood needs neighborhood watch. You need a Terry Tate office linebacker, <laughs> like a, 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 a practice roster wedge breaker just to run yeah. around and just strike fear in the hearts of the high schoolers who think, you know, they're going to increase their usage rate on a poorhouse who left candy. I really think, you know, you, you've, you're you making me think of something. Like, you could get, like, one of those because there's bushes outside of our house. Like, if you had a camouflaged outfit and just sat there, like, as a sting operation <laughs> and just waited for that one and you just show up and, you know what, then you just go crazy and you're like, hey, what are you doing? And, by the way, this is America. Like, the 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 gall, now I know not you, but, like, the gall, like, this is a this is not the country you mess around with. Like I <laughs> we're not we're not sane people. We have weird laws. Like I wouldn't do any of that. I would never have I would have never have thought to take the whole bucket, especially now with the ring cameras. It's not a great idea. But I, I do want to set up a sting next year. I think that would be fun. So a uh, couple of things before we get to this Raiders stuff, because we have to get to it. Uh, my biggest takeaways yesterday, I was almost taking candy out of kids' bags to use it at my own house because I almost ran out. We had almost two hundred kids. At no way yeah it's an it's insane they came in droves i was so overwhelmed that i needed a drink uh also the best costume that i saw last night this kid was like four years old he shows up with his bucket and he i don't know what he said to me and he played and he had a fart machine in his bucket and i looked he was dressed up like as a fart i'm not even joking oh it was God. it was the greatest thing ever i was like i finally get it and the parents thought it was great uh so anyway yeah. uh speaking of a fart well there goes josh mcdaniels uh out of las vegas um the stench will still be there uh now that he's left and gone him uh dave ziegler and mick lombardi uh, all former patriots i might add what do you make of this situation like it couldn't have been the the loss to the lions that was the straw that broke the camel's back right and if that's the case why didn't they do this earlier and have somebody else deal with the team at the trade deadline? Just the timing of it feels really weird. It gets really examined when it's a primetime loss and everybody is focusing in on Devontae Adams slamming his helmet and, you know, doing the lip reading and everything like that. Like there is a lot of things that get kind of overlooked on a Sunday, especially with the Raiders playing in the late window games where like people have probably already checked out for the afternoon and don't really care and, don't really know what's going on with the Las Vegas Raiders, but then it was kind of like there was a spotlight on it, kind of like you're going to the doctor. Like, hey, I've had this thing on my side. Can you take a look at it now? And now, you know, upon a further examination, you know, we might need to take, we might need to remove this. And I think that's what happened with the Raiders is that 
once we got a full examination underneath the lights of Monday Night Football, that needed to be removed. And so Josh McDaniels was deposed. And, you know, you really kind of got the sense coming into this season, once I got rid of Derek Carr and decided to go full Patriot way, you're like, you know what, I just... I just had a feeling this was not going to work out. I remember doing my preseason prognostications. I had the Raiders challenging for the first overall pick. And a lot of the Raiders fans got upset with me. They're like, oh, how dare you? You don't know anything, which I might not, which might be true still. But I did know that the Raiders were not going to be very good and that this Josh McDaniels thing just wasn't going to work out. So I guess I was sort of hopeful. But you remember, I was reminded of this today, listening to Mike Garofolo on the NFL Network be like, oh, yeah, I forgot that he left the Colts high and dry a couple of years ago. Like, this is really just, unless Tom Brady is your quarterback, don't bring in any former Patriot. I think we've established that now. Who for you was the team who didn't do something at the deadline that was most disappointing? Because for me, the Kansas City Chiefs, and McCole Hardman, I said it earlier on the show, essentially were like the friends at prom were like, listen, if you don't have a better date, it's 48 hours, we can just go together. Yeah. And I wanted to see them do something daring, get Patrick Mahomes some help. Who for you missed a real opportunity? I mean, the Chiefs are a really good one right there. Obviously, the wide receiver position for them is a little bit down. I like Rasheed Rice. And really do believe that he's going to come on at the end of the season. But it would have been nice to have a stabilizing veteran presence. Now, I know a lot of times you don't have interdivision trades. Although last year, the, the the Lions and the Vikings were able to pull it off and it was fine. But I think that there would probably be some effort, especially from the Broncos side of it, of like trading Jerry Judy. But there was probably some other guys out there, some other wide receivers help. You know, maybe not Donovan Peoples-Jones, but maybe a step up from there. Somebody... That could have helped out offensively. And I also want to know where the Chiefs were. And I would even, I don't know if this necessarily fits the Buffalo Bills, but like maybe you don't want to give up a second round pick. But like if Mont and, and the Bears were essentially giving up a, a higher second round pick than what the Bills and the Chiefs could have offered. But man, not not going after Montez Sweat or Chase Young just to bolster the defense, just to do something. I know that Jay, uh, Jalen Johnson was also available. The Bills could have used some help in the secondary. The Cowboys could have used some help in the secondary. The fact that that deal didn't get done, or maybe it's just the league doesn't value him the way that Bears fans do. I don't know. But I I, I think some of those contenders, it really shocks me that San Francisco is always the team that goes out there and makes that extra move. And it's not like defensive end was a, a need position for them, but hey, they went out there and got a third round compensatory pick for Chase Young. Like what are the rest of you doing? Like what why do these teams fall in love with their draft picks so much? So I thought that was really baffling for me for any of those teams that were still looking at even the Bengals. Although the Bengals are notoriously sort of cheap, but like you even you could have gotten into the mix for one of these defensive players who were available. Adam Rank from NFL Network joining Matt Marquez and Donovan Bennett here on the fan checkdown. So it, and I don't, I don't want to, I'm just from your perspective, you're a bears fan. It very, it's noted. Uh, we talked about it on this show. What did you make of the Montez sweat deal? Because I look at it kind of two ways. One, you're kind of paying a second round pick for the rights to give him an extension. But I also look at it in that Montez sweat is probably better than whoever you're going to draft in the second round. And as long as you get like four years out of them that, and good years, 
I'm okay with the deal. I just, I thought it was super interesting in the difference in compensation for Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Well, I think the Bears had to be a little bit more aggressive, which is why they were offering that pick. And I think they value Montez Sweat as a better player because of the way that he handles the run. The Bears have been a lot better in addressing the run defense over the last couple of weeks, but I still think that Montez Sweat is a better kind of all-around player. I know Chase Young is a bigger name, and everybody remembers him at Ohio State, but Sweat has been one of the more consistent guys, and I think he fills a better role for the team. And I agree with you. If he sticks with the team, and I'm assuming, and I'm I'm taking a big leap of faith here because perhaps, I mean, nobody really knows the conversations that are going on with the agent or anything like that, but if the Bears can extend him long-term and he's going to be here for four years, I think it makes a lot of sense because I even go to the old family guy principle. Like, you can either have a boat or a box, and a box could be anything, even a boat. Like, that's the, that's the whole thing. <laughs> I think that every Twitter GM just loves playing the thing. Well, they, yeah, but you know, like they, but it's going to cost 20 million. I'm like, okay, but it's not your money. These NFL teams have to spend a minimum, a minimum on the salary cap every year. So you're the 20 million is not coming out of your pocket. Don't act like it is. You're not chipping in for this. And, but every, oh, and Twitter GMs just love draft picks. They just think they're so smart. Maybe it's because people play Madden too much or they, Love wheeling and dealing in fantasy football. But at some point, if there is a proven player out there who has shown that he can play at a high level at the NFL and it's going to cost you a second-round pick, I would make that move. If Vontez Sweat, again, was available at pick 38 next year, uh, I would probably take him. Yeah, he probably wouldn't be available. (laughs) Not not just me, so that's how I do it. I understand they've had some struggles. Atlanta is 24th in offensive DVOA, but what are they doing at the quarterback position with Desmond Ritter? How would you describe this? Are they taking a break? Are they consciously uncoupling? Is this an entanglement? Is Arthur Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith and Desmond Ritter? (laughs) Will like, what are they doing with their quarterback that we believe is healthy, but also believe to not be starting this week? You know, it was like that, episode or that story arc in Saved by the Bell where Slater and Kelly were together and you're like, you know, this, this doesn't feel right. It's not going to be a long-term solution, but like, okay, (laughs) we got weeks to fill. I don't know. I, I I suppose the Falcons want to figure out what's going on with their quarterback position. I would have just stuck with Desmond Ritter because you, you need to make a decision on him at some point and realize like, Hey, are we going to be in the market for a quarterback next season? Are we not going to be in a quarter in a, in a position next season, are we going to trade up for one of the available quarterbacks that we anticipate being in the draft? Or do we look for an established veteran? You know, Kirk Cousins will be coming off a, a uh, Achilles injury. Justin Fields might or might not be available. Who knows what's going to happen at the quarterback position. So I would rather go with the evaluation. I know that they're playing for the playoffs and there's an opportunity for them to win the NFC South. And if that's what you want, like, okay, cool. Like it's good, but What is it going to be long-term? I think having an answer about Desmond Ritter is more important than anything else that you have going on this season. But you know what? These coaches still want to win, and they want to live in the moment and see if they can capture lightning in a bottle. And I think that a player like Taylor Heineke has proven that he has had some success at the NFL level, some limited success. This is his first real chance with – And not that Washington was bereft of talent or anything like that, 
But I really like what they got going on in Atlanta with Bajan Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And if Tyler Heineke can come in there and kind of make the most of it, I think that's very good for him. So I don't know. I sort of get the decision, but I, I don't know. You had this time during, you saw them in training camp. So, you know, but I guess, I don't know. Let's mix it up. Like, all right, I've, I'm tired of wearing sweatpants. I'm going to wear the slacks today. And I mean, and you, you forgot about the, the deadly combo of John, o, John o. Smith throwing to Michael Pruitt. Like, I mean, that's, yes. all, that's also there. Uh, okay. So here I'll, I'll take the other angle on that. Have they seen enough of Desmond Ritter to know that they, they have to make a decision at, or they're, they're going to move on for, at the quarterback position at the end of this year? Like, can you make that argument? It's only 12 starts, but you know, he's, he's, his record is um, six and six. Six, completing 64.8% of his passes. He's averaging 200 yards per game. Like, have we seen enough from Desmond Ritter to say, mm, he's just not very good? I don't know. I mean, it's not like he was a first-round pick. Like, if you have a first-round evaluation on a quarterback, and it's, you know, we've seen it with Zach, um, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, even Trey Lance. Like, okay, like you would give them a little bit more leeway with your third and fourth round picks. You're kind of like, yeah, I mean, you don't get much of an opportunity. I mean, look at what happened with the Tennessee Titans last year with Malik Willis, where, Hey, he got like three games. And then they're like, nah, we, we, we've pretty much seen enough. And I think sometimes you can look at these quarterbacks and be like, yeah, you don't quite have it, or you might have it. And I think like, even looking at what Will Levis did last week, and you're like, you watched him play, and you're like, this doesn't feel like an accident. This doesn't feel like they they schemed him up. Like, he's making good reads, looking off defenders, making deep throws, things like that. At some point with Desmond Ritter, you're like, yeah, we're just not seeing enough of that. I think 12 games, it's, it is a short window, but I think it's a short window based on how much talent you have. Like, a first-rounder gets a lot more leeway gets a lot more room than a guy who was drafted in the third round. You mentioned saved by the bell, which brings me to the age old question that keeps me up at night. Frankly, better eighties entertainment principal, Mr. Belding or Joe Clark from lean on me. Oh, you know what? I'm still going to go Belding. I think Belding was a little bit of a square, but like he showed <laughs> when his, when his brother Rod, left the kids high and dry on their <laughs> white water rafting trip. It was, it was, uh, it was Mr. Belding. It was old uh, Richard Belding who came through <laughs> at the end of the day, really had his students best interest at heart. And uh, he came through in the clutch when he needed them the most. Now, obviously compared to Mr. Feeney, there's no, there's no comparison. Feeney was the goat, but you know, give some, give some love and respect. And I know that Feeney was a teacher and not a principal, but still, some some love and respect to Richard Belding. Speaking of love and respect, um, are we giving enough to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Five wins in a row. They've been been able to run the ball quite effectively with Travis Etienne. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I'm still waiting for him to hit another gear, but the fact that I'm waiting for that and they've they've won five in a row, they've made some timely plays on defense, they got a big road win against the Steelers. Um, are we talking about them enough as maybe a contender in the AFC or are you still not there yet with them? No, I'm in. I, I love what Jacksonville's doing. And I, I really do believe that they're the best team in the AFC South, which isn't saying much, but they truly are a, a contender in the AFC. We saw it last year in the playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, a couple of breaks go their way. They're in the AFC championship game. Now, I know you can say that for a lot of teams, but 
I really like the job that Doug Peterson has done. And to me, it kind of reminds me, I don't know if he's turned Trevor Lawrence into 2018 Nick Foles, but you have an effective quarterback who's doing a really good job at spreading the ball around. And I think that to a lot of fantasy managers are like, I want to see a little bit more. This was the guy that we fell in love with back when he was playing with Clemson. Where is that player? But as long as he's winning and putting his team in a position to win, I think that's good enough. And I think the biggest story out of that is Travis Etienne, a player that we are kind of shocked that they drafted at all. Urban Meyer really didn't seem to have a use for him. And even coming into this season, I think everybody was ready to to rush Tank Bigsby into the lineup. Like, I don't know if Travis, if he can make it, but he's proven to be a great all-around back. I think he had six targets this last week. He has really impressed me the most. And I do love the fact that they're able to spread the ball out. Calvin Ridley doesn't have to be the guy to be counted on each and every week. Christian Kirk does a nice job for them as well. Evan Ingram, solid, as you would expect a, a Doug Peterson tight end to be. So I really do believe that this Jacksonville team is, is just sliding under the radar, and I think that's fine with them. Uh, let all the other teams fight it out. Let everybody talk and rave about the, the Dolphins and the Chiefs and perhaps the Bills and the Bengals. But I think, to me, Cincinnati – is the best team in the AFC, but I think that Jacksonville's right up there in that conversation. Well, I love that you mentioned that because you said a couple weeks ago on this show that should have killed the Bengals when you had the chance, keeping the Halloween theme going there, or maybe Freddy Krueger as now yeah. they're coming back. Joe Burrow had 14 cumulative rushing yards leading up to last game. He had 43. If I told you right now an AFC North team is in the Super Bowl and their QB is the MVP, you choose who? Joe Burrow. Really? Bengals. Absolutely. No question about it. Like, you got to just, you know what? The first couple of weeks, the, the Bengals are just going to slow play this, and then they're going to just start to come on. And I think Joe Burrow is that guy. I love Joe Burrow, what he's able to do, what he's able to put together. The defense, again, is always so underrated, and it is a hallmark of Lou Anarumo, who might end up being a candidate for the Raiders at some point down the road or a candidate for any team that it's looking for a head coach. I think this Bengals team is a, is a complete ball club. And last year, their loss in the AFC championship game, I felt was a little dubious. And I know that a lot of people in Cincinnati feel the same way. This has been a team over the last couple of years. It's been a problem for everybody. And now they get another primetime contest against the Buffalo Bills. And they do a nice job against the Bills, and we saw it last year in the playoffs. I think the Bengals are going to show something this week, and I think that when we reconvene at this point next week, we're going to be like, God, ah, the Bengals are really good. Well, they've got a good test this week. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, the Sunday nighter, uh, going to be very interesting. Uh, Rasul Douglas, uh, I'm assuming, will make his debut for the Buffalo Bills. That's that's a big matchup going down the stretch here for both of these teams because uh, they're certainly not guaranteed the division. Uh, so it will be a lot of fun. A uh, quick one before we let you go to kind of go full circle here. We didn't ask you this question. What's your favorite Halloween candy? I'm a big guys. It's tough because my moods change, you know, sometimes. And I, I really do love a York peppermint patty. Oh I yeah. That's just, a, just such a great candy. I don't like that it freshens my breath. Like I again, going back, it's almost it's almost appleish in a way. Like, are you worried about my breath? But it, it is so good and it is so refreshing. And it's one of the things back when we had free food in our commissary here at the NFL Network, they would have York peppermint patties. So I would always have to have one before we started the NFL Fantasy Live show. Now they've 
you know, the NFL is bleeding money, apparently. So <laughs> the the free York peppermint patty train is gone. But now that I'm out there purchasing discounted candy, uh, I'm stocking up on the York peppermint patties. Well, make sure you have extra room in your pockets. Buy some cargo shorts. Uh, uh, as always, thank you very much, sir. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. And we'll talk then. There he goes. Adam Rank, NFL Network and the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank. You were shaking your head there about the peppermint patty. Well, yes, I was. I mean, the answer clearly is Reese peanut butter cups. But two, back when we had food in the commissary, like the last time I checked, the NFL is a multi-billion with a B industry. Mm -hmm. I think they could afford to feed the hardworking staff like Adam Rank and others. So I was surprised that they at one point had food and then someone decided this is a line item we can no longer afford. It's like what airline was it that took one olive out of every, uh, what was it? Um, uh, They're martinis or something like that. And like you take one out and you save yourself like $4 million. What? How many, how expensive are olives? I don't know. Cause I don't buy them and I don't eat them cause they're gross. But yeah, I, I mean, People find a way to cut corners all the time, man. Just, just, ask, just ask Las Vegas. Actually, no, no. The Las Vegas Raiders don't cut corners. They're spending. They spend. They are spending. They're buying multiple corners. What a mess. Uh, we got the Thursday nighter tomorrow. Titans against the Steelers. Kenny Pickett versus Will Levis. Loser leaves town match. <laughs> I'm very curious to see how Will Levis looks in his second career start. He looked really good last week. Uh, that's it for us today. Thank you to Austin behind the glass. Thank you to Donovan across the table. We'll be back tomorrow to preview that Thursday nighter, among other things. Thanks a lot for joining us. Matt Marchese signing off for the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network.